Another Sunday, another day to come together and worship our King. Jesus is our King, and He's worthy of our worship and our praise. Amen? Amen. Jesus is our King, and He's worthy of our worship and our praise. He's such a good King. He's gracious and loving. He's strong and powerful. He conquered death in the grave, and that Jesus, that same Jesus, can conquer the sin in your life. Whatever it is, go to Him in repentance. Find forgiveness. Find the Father. Find the life that God intended for you to have. This morning, I want to invite our children to come up. Any of you kids want to come up for our children's message this morning? Come on up here. Have a seat right here on the floor. It's, you guys were, fur, were you racing to be first? Because you were fast. Come on up here. Good to see you guys. You, you all always look so nice on Sunday mornings. There's Ava. She's ready to go, ready to roll this morning. Is that every? Okay, come on. Oh, we've got one more in the back. Here comes Abaja. Hey, buddy. Looking good this morning. Were you in the back? Yeah. You were in the back? All right. Do you guys know what this stuff is? Do you know what this is for? Motorcycle. Riding my motor. Did you know that I have a motorcycle? Yes. I love, I have a motorcycle, and I love to ride my motorcycle, but when I do, I put some of this stuff on uh, to help keep me safe while I'm on my motorcycle. So sometimes when I'm doing a longer ride, I wear these things. You guys want to check these out? These are not like normal shoes. Tell me what, how these shoes are, feel different. Well, they're leather, but everybody's, I mean, these are leather shoes. Yeah, if it, push on the outside on the top of them. Feel in the ankles. What's there? There's armor inside of those shoes. So if I ever fall off my motorcycle, those shoes will keep my ankles and my feet safe. So those are my shoes. Let's go to this next thing. What's this? This is not like any other normal jacket. Would some, does anybody want to go? Come here. All right, you come over here. Let's go down here. All right, put this jacket on. Tell me, tell me what's different. It's not a normal jacket, is it? Yeah, where at? Yeah, there's, there's, like, there's armor in that jacket. In the back, there's like a... Yeah, it is big because you're smaller than me. But there's shoulder pads, right? Yeah, you know what that's for? Here, take it off. Let me show everybody. This jacket protects my back and my shoulders and my elbows. So if I ever fall off my motorcycle... It'll keep me safe. Yeah, isn't that cool? You want to feel? Everyone wants to feel okay. Yep. You can try this on after church if you want. And then, what about this thing? What's this for? It's for wearing on my hand? My head. All right. Does anybody want to try on the helmet? All right. All right. Okay, just her now and then after church, anybody that wants to. And then if anyone has lice, then we can share it. What do you think about that? Now it's hard to see. But when I'm out in the sunlight, that keeps me from getting the sun in my eyes. But if I were to ride my motorcycle like this, everybody, if she were to get on the motorcycle, strap it all in and leave this up, what could happen? Okay, bugs. You know, bugs like to fly in that little space right there and go in your nose and your mouth and your eyes. I've had it happen to all three of those spaces. All right. You can try it after church, okay? All right, so all of these are important 
for riding my motorcycle. When I get on my bike, I'm out on my motorcycle. I'm assaulted by the wind and the sun and sometimes rain and bugs. And there's other cars out there, and it's really crazy. Did you know that, like how I ride my motorcycle, did you know that God and our Lord Jesus, he calls us to go out into the world, to leave this place and go out through those doors and to tell people about Jesus. Did you know that? You guys know that because you come up here every Sunday and I tell you that, right? But you know what we learn about this? You know what we learn about this? Is God also gives us the Holy Spirit to protect us just like this when we go out and tell people about Jesus. Did you know that? When you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He lives inside of you. He gives you power and strength to tell people about Jesus. And then when you go out there and you encounter opposition or difficulty or hard days, he's going um, to strengthen you and he's going to give you the strength and the power to continue to tell people about Jesus, all right? So just like this armor that I wear in the motorcycle, you have the Holy Spirit to go with you when you go on mission for God, all right? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you to fulfill God's mission. Now, the word of the day for today. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. It's a weird one, okay? It's Bar Jesus. Bar Jesus. It's a name, okay? Bar Jesus. All right, go back to your seats. And I want you to tell me how many times you count that word, okay? All right, church, I want to invite you now to take up a copy of God's Word and open it with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, the words will be on the screen. We have Bibles in the pew. Find the Word on your phone or whatever. Get that thing open. As we continue through Acts chapter 13, last week we looked into the anatomy of a sending church. We looked into the anatomy of ascending church. We learned three things about ascending church. First, ascending church embraces their diversity, uses it for the glory of God, and unifies around the mission. Number two, uh, an uh, ascending church responds to God's calling to act by faith. And then number three, uh, sending church gathers with hopeful expectation for God to move. So we looked at the church of Antioch and we watched how they took uh, Paul and Barnabas and John and responded to the calling of the Holy Spirit on their lives to send them out as missionaries. Now this morning we're going to look at their activity as missionaries. We're going to look at Satan's antagonism and finally, we'll look at the absolute power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look first at the activity of the missionary. So we're in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they, sent, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. The church at Antioch, and it's important for us to recognize this as a church that desires to send people out, the church at Antioch didn't send Paul and Barnabas and John out from the church. 
The church at Antioch responded to the calling of the Holy Spirit to send those three men out as missionaries from the church. They took a step of faith and sent them out. But it was the Holy Spirit who empowered and sent Paul and Barnabas and John to go out and to share the gospel. Their first stop in their missionary journey was an island called Cyprus, about 60 miles south of Antioch. And so what they would have done is they would have caught a ship on the river, gone down to the coastline, at that coastline, gone on another ship, probably a bigger ship, and they would have gone to Cyprus. Now, when they arrived at Cyprus, it's interesting to remember, Cyprus is Barnabas' home homeland. That's where he was from. So they're going back to Barnabas's homeland, and maybe that's why the Holy Spirit sent them there. They would have had contacts there. They would have known people there. And so they headed there to Cyprus. Cyprus was an island under Roman control and authority. Uh, and there must have been a large Jewish population there at Cyprus because the missionaries shared the Gospels in the Jewish synagogues first, which, if you would read on in the book of Acts, you'll recognize that Paul often, when he would be sent by God to a new place, would go first if there was there a Jewish synagogue, and he would go there and first share with the Jews who Jesus is. Jesus is our Jewish Messiah, he would tell them. He's the one spoken about in the prophets in the Old Testament. And he would tell them that Jesus has come and he was crucified and died on the cross, but he wrote again, Jesus is the Messiah that our God Yahweh sent for us. And he would go and share that first with the Jews. And then the ones that received that, he would welcome into the family of God. The ones that, that neglected or would not receive it, that rejected it, he would then move on from them into the Gentile population of that city and go on and share the gospel with them as well. Because recently in the book of Acts, we've learned that God wanted both Jew and Gentile, which equates to all people in all the earth, to hear the gospel and to be saved. So Paul and Barnabas and John go about the island of Cyprus sharing the gospel. These two verses describe an activity in which our missionaries are engaged. Three things. First, they're sent by the Holy Spirit. Second, they responded to the Holy Spirit and then went to a people to share the gospel with them. And finally, third, they shared the gospel with them, right? Sent by the Spirit, they're going out to a people, they're telling them about Jesus. This description is so brief that it's really quite easy for us just to read over it and pass over and, and go, go by it without really applying that to our lives. But that's exactly what I want to do this morning. What does this mean to us? It means Jesus works in exactly the same way in your life, in my life, in the life of this church, as he did in the life of the church of Antioch, in the lives of John and Barnabas and Paul. <clears throat> we are sent by the Holy Spirit. We are called by God to go to a people, and we are to share the gospel with those people. So let me just dwell on those for just a minute. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes when I prepare to preach a sermon, as I prepare and pray and, and get ready to tell you about what the Word of God says, there's times when I think... <clears throat> Man, this is a hard message 
and I, I almost don't want to deliver it because I know that it'll be, you know, kind of like a knife in our heart, right? It'll just really penetrate. And let me just tell you, like, today's not one of those days. Today is a day of encouragement, of empowerment. Today's a day when we're going to leave this place used by God, to be used by God in mighty ways. And I'm so happy to share this message with you today. First, we are sent by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? We are a people, born-again believers, sent by the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent us, and that was recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the Great Commission. That is our mission. And that is your mission. That is what Jesus sends you to do. That is why, did you ever wonder why when you're born again you don't just go to be with Jesus in heaven? Uh, would anyone like to have just done that? Nobody? Okay. Only a few of you raise your hands. Okay, thank Just, yes, we're going, and those that didn't raise their hands, I guess they want to stay. Of course we would like to go with be with the Lord immediately, right? Imagine that. Turn from your sins. You have faith in Jesus. You call out to him as Lord and Savior, and boom, you're in his presence in paradise. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. I'll take that. Me and Matt, we're going together. Sounds great. But that's not what Jesus did. Okay, Camille, I saw you. The Lord knows our hearts, right? But that's not what Jesus designed for us to do, right? We're drafted into his army. We're missionaries in that army. He, he left us here because he's not done collecting the believers on this earth, right? He left you here with a testimony and the indwelling Holy Spirit for you to go out and to proclaim the gospel so more people could hear the gospel and more people could be saved. We're sent by Jesus. And then, and then second, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. According to Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Woo, we got that Holy Spirit power. That's what we got when we got saved. We're Baptists. We get kind of nervous when we start talking about the Holy Spirit power, unfortunately. Right? We shouldn't be. We got the power of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the triune God of the universe. The all-powerful, all-knowing, amazing God of this universe lives within you and empowers you to go about sharing the gospel. People will be saved through your testimony in proclaiming Jesus as Lord. That, by the way, is a miracle of God. And you can be a part of that. In fact, you're called to be a part of that because you're called by the Holy Spirit. We should go where Jesus, where the Holy Spirit sends us. Saul, uh, Paul, Barnabas, John left Antioch, went to, uh, went to the island to share the gospel, right? They went there because it says that the Holy Spirit told them to go there. 
The Holy Spirit is also directing you on God's mission. Let me just ask you a question, and then I want you to just think about it just for a second. Is there a person in your life who doesn't yet have a relationship with Jesus? Think for three seconds. Is there a person in your life who does not yet have a relationship with Jesus? Boom. Did any of you have the picture, the face, the name of a person just show up in your mind? There's a good chance that that's where the Holy Spirit is leading you to go. Right? I'm not going to speak for him. But God wants lost people to be saved. God wants us to be sharing the gospel with lost people. I just asked you if you could think of a lost person in your life and there's a person in your mind, probably God wants you to take the gospel to that person. Whatever name, whatever person that is. Is there a, a, a group of people in your life Maybe it's the people you work with. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you have roommates. Is there a group of people that do not yet know about Jesus? Whoever came to mind, there's a good chance that Jesus is sending you to them. There's a a really good chance, I think, that God puts you in that place to be a light for the gospel. To tell them about Jesus. You know, it was interesting, this last week, we had all kinds of volunteers come out. Um, I'm not going to name everybody, I didn't make a list, but you all know who you are. Uh, so we could host this dental van out in our front parking lot on Thursday and Friday. And so we offered free uh, dental services uh, for folks that didn't have, don't have health insurance and couldn't pay for a dentist. And so we have, it, we have uh, through our Florida Baptist Convention uh, ministry partnership, and um, we served 19 people uh, with our dental van. And those 19 people were prayed for. Uh, we talked with them about the Lord. We invited them to church. Um, several of them were brought to tears by just the fact that someone loves them enough to care for their teeth. And we talked to them about who we are and, and why we were doing what we were doing. And um, most of the people that came... You know, I'd never been to our church. Uh, probably didn't really, maybe not even know that our church was here. Uh, most of them spoke different languages. So we're trying to share the gospel in Spanish and Russian. Uh, I don't think we had any French Creole. Uh, but we had a couple other languages represented too. And, and God took care of that. He opened doors for us to just simply show the love of Christ with people. What that reminded me about was we have people around this church who don't yet know Jesus. They were in our foyer, and we were praying for them and helping them. And that was just one tiny group. Imagine all the people, all the opportunities that we have to share the gospel. And, and you're it. You're empowered and sent by the Holy Spirit. Well, what is the gospel? Maybe you're asking that. You keep using that word, Pastor, gospel. What does that mean? Thank you very much, David. It does mean good news. Specifically, it means the good news about Jesus. That all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and our our relationship with God, the purpose for which God created us, is broken. 
And we are under the wrath of God because of our sin, because of our separation from Him. But God in His love for us sent His Son Jesus to die for us on the cross. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was nailed to a cross. He received the wrath of God on our behalf. His blood was poured out as an atonement for our sins. That Jesus died on that cross. He was buried in the ground. But on the third day, He rose again in fulfillment of the Scriptures. He conquered death and sin and provided an opportunity for any who would repent or turn from sin and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior to be reconciled with God, to be restored to a right relationship with Him, to walk in the purpose for which God created us to walk. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Maybe you're asking, I I can't do that. What you just did, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to have a conversation Did you know the beginning of a gospel's conversation can be just a 45-second explanation of how God's awesome? Can any of you guys just, can any of you just tell somebody how awesome God is? Could you, I mean, most, I know, I know everybody in here, I know just about all of you, y'all could do that. I asked Christine Rodriguez to give us an example of what that would look like, Um, and so guys, you throw that up there when you're ready. Okay. We'll use it. Would you like to do it in live? Okay, come on. I've got red on, okay? Brandon's mic. All right, well, this was not planned. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think what I had said. So what I had said was that Pastor Josh had asked me a couple of days ago if I would give my just a brief testimony. And when he had asked me, I just started smiling. He's like, okay, so this is filled with joy. And I was a part of this church. I was 12 years old. We went to Lake Yale. So we'd taken a bunch of kids um, up to Lake Yale. And that's where I had accepted Jesus. And I remembered being in the big church, sitting on the back row. The invitation song played. And I just, something was different. And I went forward and I accepted Christ. So I came back. And um, so 40 years have passed been on this journey with Jesus for 40 years and during those times there's been times when I've strayed from him and he was constant though he was still there there have been times when I came back to him and he was constant and there have been times of great celebration in my life times when I got married to Oscar and times when we had our two boys and our two boys accepted Christ Jesus was constant and then there have been the really really tough times times when we got a medical diagnosis in our family Um, the loss of a job, hospitalizations, like recently. Um, My husband was just in the hospital. But you know, Jesus was constant, even in those times. And so, being a Christian isn't about having an easy life, but Jesus says that 
if we believe in him, he's going to give us his joy and his peace and his strength, and he will be constant. Thank you. All right, thank you, Christine. So she actually almost did that verbatim for her video. That was amazing. It's that simple, and I know you don't want to probably be on a platform in front of everybody with zero notice. But you guys could do that in front of a brother or sister or a mom or a dad, an aunt, an uncle, a coworker. Really, sharing your testimony is just bragging about what Jesus has done in your life. And that's what God calls us to do. Now, let me tell you something. That's all the good news. That's the excitement and the joy. Now I'm going to give you some battle preparation. Because we don't go into a battle without a plan, right? Anybody in here in the military? You go into the battle, uh, you better have a plan or you'll probably lose the battle. But God's developed a plan for us. But let me tell you something. As we go about following the ministry and the leading of the Holy Spirit, telling people about Jesus, we're going to engage in a significant spiritual battle. You will, you will receive opposition from the enemy Satan and those who serve him. And that's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about the antagonism of Satan and his servants. Look with me at verse 6. When they had traveled the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, is something every believer engaging in the mission of God will experience. Saul, Barnabas, and John find themselves right in the middle of a spiritual battle. Satan does not like what they're doing on Cyprus. And he really doesn't want them to infiltrate Roman leadership with the gospel. Because imagine when Roman leaders get saved, imagine what happens because of their platform, because of their leadership. So he sends a man, one of his servants, named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus, whose name actually means son of Jesus, which was Jesus was a common name back then. He's a sorcerer or a false prophet, and, and basically that means he's a charlatan. He's, he's a trickster. He's a satanic diviner. It's very interesting. The Roman leaders, they love to surround themselves with, with holy men, like diviners of all different kinds of religious faiths. They believed that they had access to a spiritual realm, and I believe they did too, only they were accessing satanic power. And so he's got this guy, Bar-Jesus, next to him, who probably offers him advice about what to do. Sergius Paulus was a Roman proconsul in Cyprus. He was the most powerful man on that island. And it's interesting, they, they notice that he's known for being an intelligent man, as an intelligent man who hears about what's going on on his island, 
Paul and Barnabas and John go about sharing the gospel. He no doubt heard about what was happening. And during this time, when God's apostles would go sharing the gospel, that was often accompanied by signs and wonders. So imagine people are being healed. There's great power and authority. Uh, people are being saved. So he no doubt heard about that. And he says, I want those guys to come, come see me. I want to hear about uh, this message, this Jesus <clears throat> that they're preaching about. And so uh, Bar-Jesus, of course, is not happy about this, right? Because he's a servant of Satan, and he's an advisor to uh, Paulo. So what he does is he, he's going to stand up against them, of course. He doesn't want uh, his leader, uh, Sergius Paulus, to be saved, because if he gets saved and starts following Jesus, guess who he's going to stop listening to? Satan, right? He's following Jesus, He's not going to need Bar-Jesus anymore because he's following Jesus. He's saved now. He's not going to follow Satan. He's going to follow Jesus. And so there's no, uh, I'm not surprised that Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, would oppose what Paul and Barnabas and John are doing. Now, there are a couple of truths that you need to know if you're going to be on mission for Jesus, right? We all want to be on mission for Jesus right? We all want to be used by God. If you're a born-again believer, we should want to be used by God in mighty ways. And so if we're going to take God at his word, if we're going to follow the Holy Spirit into the battle, then we better get ready for battle. And let me tell you about what that battle is going to be like. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 tells us what it's like to be in the midst of that battle. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. If you're going to go into a spiritual battle, you are going to experience opposition from Satan. And Satan will have developed schemes, plans, circumstances against you. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. The battle that you're going to engage in is not going to be one that you'll see with your eyes. It's a spiritual battle. But make no mistake about it. It is a powerful, powerful encounter. It seems, in my experience, that the spiritual warfare that we engage in increases in intensity when the fruit of our ministry grows. Let me give you an example. Uh, we studied a book called The Insanity of God, The Insanity of Obedience by Nick Ripkin. He was an IMB missionary um, who served in persecuted countries. So his ministry, uh, his calling from the Holy Spirit, was to go to countries where people were being persecuted and to encourage them, and also to see what God was doing among them. Um, he had served in northern Africa and um, really experienced difficult persecution and really struggled with, God, there's so much evil and, and, and harshness and death. What are you doing? Like, I, I, he didn't see the end. You know, he knew that God was good and God was at work, but he just didn't see it. And so God called him to visit these persecuted believers. And what he noticed and what he wrote about in his book 
was that as he went into these heavily persecuted places, he saw God at work in many ways. He saw God doing miraculous things. He saw people being saved. He saw also people being murdered for their faith. But God was increasing his kingdom in those places. In my experience, in the places that I've gone, where, uh, where there were less believers, less opportunities to be open about your faith, spiritual warfare is higher. And so you better get ready. If you're going to take God at his word, if you're going to follow the Holy Spirit into the spiritual battle, you've got to be ready to fight the spiritual battle. How do we do that? First and foremost, by praying. We've got to be prayed up. We've got to be ready to walk into the battle. I saw a couple Bibles up. Yes, number two. We've got to be reading the Word. There's power in the Word of God. Number three, we need to be in fellowship with other believers. God didn't design any one of us to go into that battle alone. He designed us to go into the battle in a fellowship of other believers to encourage and keep us strong in the Lord. And we do those things we trust in the Lord for victory. It's by faith that we have victory in the battle. It's not, not our muscles. It's not the strength of our back. It's not the strength of our mind. It's not the eloquence of our words. Faith in the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how the spiritual battle is won. The enemy, Satan, has servants. You need to know this. He has demons. He has people and an evil world system under his control and direction. All of them are on his mission. He has designed schemes, battle plans, and he is using the world system that we live in. He is using demonic activity. He is also using people that do not yet know Jesus as Savior, all to enact a mission. There are two missions on this earth. The mission of God and the mission of the enemy, Satan. When we go on the mission of God and live for him on purpose, we are directly in opposition to the enemy, Satan, and his mission. And therefore, when you go on the mission of God, you will experience spiritual battles. You will face opposition. That opposition will come from a disapproving culture. That opposition will come through difficult circumstances. That opposition will even come from the people whom you love most. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, all who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Thankfully, we don't seek the approval of this world. We don't look and work to raise up and to store up riches and wealth here. We seek the approval of our King. We live on this earth to fulfill His mission so that one day when we die and go to be with Him in heaven, He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
We will not be deterred by difficult circumstances. Our king walks with us through every difficult circumstance. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We love Jesus, and he's adopted us into the family of God. Though our family and our friends forsake us because of him, we will not stop following him. We will walk on the path of righteousness, even if everyone we know has fallen away. Because it is right. Because it is good. Because he is our source of life. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our only hope. Now, that's the tough part of the message. The exciting part of the message is this. It's real simple. You ready? God's got this. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them God's got this. Say it again, just in case they didn't hear you. Everybody didn't say it. I I thought the instructions were clear. Some of you are like, you're smiling awkwardly. That's okay. You'll catch on. God's got this. He's got it. He's got it. We could trust him. It's the God who created this world and everything in it. He has total, complete control. And one day he's going to bring all this to an end, to a glorious, glorious end. We're going to talk finally about the absolute power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say this whole part with a smile on my face because it's hilarious. Verse 9. But Saul, also called Paul, and just you Bible nerds out there, i got to stop for a minute. This is the point, the transition in the book of Acts, where they stop, where Luke, the writer, stops calling him Saul and starts calling him Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name that he would use among Jews. Paul is his Greek name that he used among Gentiles. From this point, Paul is going to be going out mostly to the Gentiles, and so Luke uses this as a transition So from now on, pretty much the whole time, you'll hear his name as Paul. So let me start over, verse 9. But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elymas. That's Bar-Jesus, same guy. His name means sorcerer. Think, don't think sorcerer. That sounds too powerful. Think trickster. Anyway, and he said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You son of the devil, an enemy of all that is right, won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Woo, he's on fire. What's going on here? Paul, Barnabas, John are in front of Sergius Paulus sharing the gospel, right? He's interested. He wants to know about who Jesus is. Here comes Bar-Jesus, Elymas, comes into the room. He doesn't like what's going on, so he starts prattling on these lies. We don't know what he was saying, but we know that they were lies. If you share the gospel on a regular basis, you've experienced this, I'm sure. So Paul, he kind of looks over, kind of in the middle of, of this experience, right? He looks over at him, full of the Holy Spirit, chock full of the Holy Spirit, and says, who do you think you are? That's essentially what he said. Squares up, who in the world do you think you are? 
He calls him a couple names, which is also hilarious. He calls him first, you're full of deceit and trickery. The words used there are Greek words that describe someone luring another person into a trap. That's exactly what Bar-Jesus is doing. Paul sharing the gospel, trying to help Sergius Paulus understand who Jesus is, and, and in this time, perhaps the Holy Spirit's moving, he's being drawn away from his sin and toward Jesus, and then here comes Bar-Jesus, throws the trap right there on his path, trying to lure him away from the gospel and the truth of the, of the message back toward being a servant of Satan. So he called Paul, sees him for what he is. You're a deceiver. You're trying to trap him and trick him. And he calls him, uh, let's see, verse 10, you're the son of the devil. And it's funny, it's ironic, because his name is Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus or son of salvation. He goes, you're not the son of Jesus. You're not the son of salvation. That's not your name. You're the son of the devil. That's who you are. And he says, because you pervert the straight paths of the Lord. God has a righteous path. And the righteous path is the pathway to a relationship with God through Jesus. He says, Bar Jesus, you're, you're perverting that path. You're, you're trying to lead him astray, away from the proper and right path. Paul won't stand for this. Not on his watch. Not while he stands there and preaches the gospel. And God's judgment was swift and unmistakable. Paul says, verse 11, Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You're going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. Immediately, immediately, a mist and darkness fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. So for a season, he goes blind. What happens next is hilarious and amazing and ironic. Ready? Verse 12. Then when he saw what happened, the proconsul, that's Sergius Paulus, believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So, if you didn't catch it, let me just like sum all this up because it's awesome. Paul, Barnabas, John, sharing the gospel with this very influential, very powerful Roman leader. Sergius Paulus. While they're sharing the gospel, this advisor named Bar-Jesus comes in, and he's diverting attention. He's manipulating Sergius Paulus. He's trying to trap him from receiving the gospel and salvation in Jesus. Paul tells him, who do you think you are? You, you can't stand in the way of God. You're going to be blind for a season. And that was God's judgment on his life for what he had done. And then... The ironic and really exciting and funny part is God used Bar-Jesus and that judgment to draw Sergius Paulus to faith in Christ. So what the enemy intended for evil, God used for his good purpose. God does the same thing in our lives. When we live on mission for Jesus, we also have the opportunity to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with people, to have faith in Jesus. Well, what, is, what exactly does the Holy Spirit do while we're sharing 
the gospel? What, what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives when we engage in God's mission? This isn't exhaustive, but what's appropriate for today, I just want to read a few of these things to you to equip you, to encourage you, to leave this place and to be used by God. First, he's the one who draws lost people to faith in Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Not you. You share the gospel. You tell them your testimony. He does the heavy lifting. We don't really convince anyone to be saved. We tell them how Jesus died for them, and the Holy Spirit does the work. He convicts people of their sin, according to John 16. He regenerates, makes you born again. And also upon repentance and belief in Jesus, he will do that in your life, according to Titus chapter 3. He helps us when we pray, Romans 8. He leads us in God's truth, Romans 8, 14. He teaches us and helps us to understand the word of God, John 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And he anoints us with divine power, according to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Let me just wrap all this up. God has called every one of us into the battle. It's not going to be easy because we fight a powerful enemy. We fight in a very powerful and difficult society and world system. But God, our God, provides everything we need to have victory in the battle. And the good news is, that he's already won the war. It is already, already won. You remember, you ever seen the old videos uh, after World War II when the troops would come home and they would have those victory parades? You ever seen pictures and shows about that? That's what we're doing right now. Did you know that? Because Jesus fought the battle on the cross. He overcame death and Satan and his power and authority over, over God's people on the cross and by rising from the dead. And then as we're saved, we're, we're called by God literally to be this victory parade, to walk down the street and proclaim that Jesus is king and that people can be saved. The, the door is open. The, the opportunity for salvation is now. It's today. And we're part of the victory parade because the war has already been won. And so we're called by God to do three things in closing. This is it. Get into the battle. There is a battle. The battle is being waged right now, every moment of every single day until Jesus returns. Get into the battle. Prepare for opposition. Trust in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to have a time of invitation. Brandon's going to come up and lead a song for us. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand. If you've never been here before, this is a time for you to respond to whatever God's doing in your life. Maybe you felt during the preaching of the Word, you know what? I want to get in this battle. I want to be a part of this. I want to be sharing the Gospel. I want to be used by God for magnificent things. You can tell Jesus that you want to do that at your seat. You can come up here and pray. I can pray for you. Or maybe you do not yet know Jesus. Maybe, like Christine mentioned, there, maybe you're in a point in your life and you wandered away from Him and you want to come back to Him. This is a, a time for us to make a decision. 
And maybe the decision for you, you want to come forward and I can pray with you, whatever it is. Use this moment to respond to whatever it is the Holy Spirit is doing within you. Would everybody stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, I pray over these next moments as we respond to whatever it is that your Holy Spirit is doing within us. Help us by faith to be bold, to take a step and follow you where you lead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.